welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is 246. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present, for fuck's sake, the dirty, nasty, things I do. Don't forget to stop by our webpage, for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your host, Woody. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. The chair next to me is empty tonight. The beast had better things to do. Well, in this case, get his eyes checked. It may not be better, but, you know, it is what it is. He has left me alone with a lovely woman named Jen, also known on FetLife as For Fuck's Sake. Jen, how are you this fine evening? I am doing pretty good. Laid back. Happy to be here. Well, that's good. You have a writing on FetLife that attracted my attention. It is called The Dirty Nasty Things I Do. Yes. And that caught my attention, obviously. And probably a lot of other people that uh, made it go uh, very popular. I'm just going to kind of summarize here. Tonight I had sex with two men. I was tied up, spanked, humiliated, degraded. My tits were bruised. My face was smacked. I have marks on my ass and thighs. Every hole I have that could accommodate a cock was used. I came over and over again, lost count. My cum-soaked sheets, my body still aches from the use and abuse. Well, sounds like a good night to me. That was a very, very good night. What brought this on? You're 43 now. We chatted a little bit before, and so you've been kinky for the last 20-odd years. Yes. At least in your own mind. And you have come out to the community in the last, what, six years? Yes. You bottled it up for the better part of 15 years. Why was that? I don't think I intended to bottle it up. I remember early on every new thing we experimented with. The first time we did anal, the first time he smacked me during sex. Afterward, my husband would always have to say to me, it's okay. As long as it's between you and me, anything we do is okay. Because I was still judging myself by the standards I grew up with. And so that was the taboos? All of the taboos, yes. Okay. And so he was kind of taking the shame away from it. Yes. And reassuring you that you didn't do anything wrong. Yes. And it took 15 years for me to really get rid of most of the shame. Okay. When the shame ran out, then what happened? Everything has happened since the shame ran out. Um, I started switching. I've gotten into uh, a lot of different kinks, uh, CBT, pegging, things that I wouldn't have done before because it was wrong. Very toppy stuff. Yes. Which I think as a submissive, I could always say, well, I just let him do this to me. As a top, I can't say that. I have to own this. Yeah, you really did take control of it at that point. Yes. And did that give you a freedom? At first, it was scary, but it did. It gives me so much freedom. And my slave is wonderful because 
his favorite sentence is, if it makes you happy, miss. To hear that from a, a slave is like, it, it just turns on your light. Yes. It's amazing. He actually let me staple his cock one night and put googly eyes on it. And I was giggling. I had a blast. But he's up for anything that I'm up for. And that's a wonderful thing. You, you have a play partner that will go the distance. And your mind is the only limitation, and you're opening that up every day. Yes, and it's still opening. There's still more things out there to try. So the dynamic is that your husband's a top, and you're his submissive, and then you are the top to your slave. I am more a bottom to my husband than a submissive. Okay. Um, anymore, he does heavy impact topping, and I like heavy impact bottoming as a masochist. But he also has a pet, and his pet takes care of most of his dominance needs. Everybody has something to fulfill their needs. Yes. What a wonderful situation that is. It's actually worked out really well. It was bumpy in the beginning, starting off becoming Polly, but it's worked out really well for everyone. Did you have all the normal uh, Polly startup things, uh, the jealousies, the time envy, uh, all those sorts of things? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. We had the jealousy, the time envy. My personal favorite is I am a heavy bottom for impact, but so is she. And finding myself getting jealous. Is she heavier than me? Can she take more than I can? Do you hit her harder? Isn't it amazing the comparisons that go on? Yeah, he's been really gracious through that and trying to explain that it wasn't a competition to find out. She gets jealous of me sometimes, I get jealous of her, and he has to tell us both that we're both amazing, just two very different women. That is the standard answer, because everybody is different, and you will take certain things more than her, she will take certain things more than you, and and then you can turn around and give it to your slave. And my slave's a sweetheart, because he's been doing poly for 20 years, so... He doesn't have any jealousy or any issues. He just, he keeps everyone else in the group calm. The word that I really like is compersion. You know, when people are getting what they want, you can be happy for them. It's a great word. It's the weirdest feeling in the entire world. It truly is. It takes a while to develop it also. It does. I still remember the first time I felt it was when I realized I call his pet kitten. And one day I realized I didn't want Kitten to go away because she's a big part of his happiness. And I thought all the jealousy, all the fits, all of the, the start stops, and it would break my heart if Kitten went away. And that was the most amazing feeling I think I've ever had. You have achieved a balance, a family balance. As much as possible, yeah. Mm -hmm. The word as much as possible is really relevant because – one peg isn't quite hammered down as much as the other, but they're they're almost level and everything feels about right. You know, nothing's ever perfect because we're human beings and we have the stresses of life that screw things up from time to time. They limit our time. We have to work harder. We're exhausted. All those things that go into the mix. Occasionally, I hear people talk about the kink world as though it's a magic world where nothing happens but dirty, nasty things and sexy kink. 
But the truth is we're all bringing our day-to-day lives from our job stresses to my kid was a little snot tonight. We all bring that into the community with us in one way or the other. And we're all topped by the kids. You know, they determine (laughs) what's going to happen. Yes. Strangely enough. Yeah, it sounds weird, but, you know, they get sick and you have to be mommy. Yeah, mommy has to come first. Yeah. Well, so on a good night, um, do you guys ever play together? On a good night, we have played with my husband and I and Michael, my slave, and we've also played with Katie, but we haven't played with all four of us yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the menage a trois dynamics, you, you really like that? Yes. It really puts a different component in regular sex. It's something that, well, first off, for many years, it was very taboo. It, it still is by the vanilla standard. And you kind of feel like you're getting away with something. And it's pretty cool. Well, you feel like you're getting away with something. And it's also the emotions, I think. When it's not just two random people you met at a bar and decided to do this with, there's a lot of emotional and spiritual components and energy that's being shared that I think heightens the experience. Well, that's true. Um, I don't like to do pickup play anymore at all. And everybody in my life, I love and I care for. And so whenever I have, you know, time to spare with them, it's always quality time. That's interesting. I don't know if I would still have a one night stand, but I would be more likely to have a one night stand that was vanilla than I would do pickup play. BDSM for me is so much more intimate than just regular vanilla sex. It's an interesting way to put it. There is an honesty and openness to the BDSM side of it that I find is very hard to get in vanilla dating. Dating, I use the dating, one-time dating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I noticed the, the honesty difference. I have guys who try to pick me up at work that are vanilla, and they feel like they have to go through all the niceties and... There seems to be a script. Well, we, were, we were taught that script early on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and we just keep doing it over and over and over again until we get slapped. See, that part of what I like about kink is that when men do approach me in the kink world, for the most part, they're so much more straightforward and honest, and they don't quite have a script. And sometimes it's awkward, but it's an honest awkward. That is true. You know, um, if I invite somebody over to the house to play or something, they pretty much know how it's going to end as opposed to a vanilla date where you're not sure where it's going to go. I just had a date for the first time. Even with Michael, we never really dated. We just sort of fell together. But I've been dating someone occasionally and we were laughing because we go to parties together. We haven't had sex. We haven't played yet. But we've seen each other naked. We know all of each other's dark secrets. The only thing we haven't done is to actually have sex. But everything else is sort of already out and on the table. Interesting. This actually qualifies as a friendship. Yes. A kinky friendship or a vanilla friendship? I would say a kinky friendship. 
anymore. I want to be friends first. I want to be friends before we play. I want to be friends before we do anything. And the friendship's more important than all of the other stuff we do. It really is. If you can't understand something about the person you're going to have intense sex with, then, uh, you know, you don't know where it's going to go. It could go end up with a knife in your back and not the good kind. I've regretted bad sex. I've never regretted trying to make a friend, getting to know another person, even if it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So to me, if I'm friends with you first, then it doesn't matter how the rest of it goes. I've already won something when I got to know you. A fair statement. When you um, are interested in somebody, since you're in the poly world, you um, tell your partners, hey, there's a guy out here I want to go date. Is that, is that what, how, how that lays out? Yeah, but I have the easiest partners in the world because one is a slave and he says, if it makes you happy, miss. Mm-hmm. And my husband, really for him, it's about time. If I want to take my one night a week or whatever and go out on a date, or that's great. And as long as I'm not abandoning him and the kids forever, he's going to be okay with whatever I do. As long as it's not stupid and it's safe and sane and risk-aware. And you're not supposed to bring anything home that is not desirable. Well, no, I'm not allowed to bring those home. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, that that is the poly cry, you know, is be safe and, and, you know, take care of the poly family. Yes. That's the scary thing because what you do starts to affect not just yourself and your partner, but now you have other people connected. Well, you go back to vanilla dating, and that's really sloppy stuff. You know, uh, people don't check each other out for STIs, and, uh, you know, they, they do stupid things compared to what we have been observing for some time. Well, I think it's easier to pretend that it won't happen to me when you're vanilla. Yeah, famous last words. Well, yeah, pretty much. But I think it's an easier pretense to make. It is. There's a bit of a Pollyanna thing in there that, uh, oh, who, you know, couldn't happen to me. But uh, so many people have been proven very seriously wrong on that. Well, and I, I think, though, it's hard. If you're vanilla and you already have any shame about sex whatsoever, are you going to be able to go to your doctor and say, I want a full panel, knowing what that means? Mm-hmm. Are you going to fall into sex in the backseat of your car or are you going to be able to have that conversation with your partner about STDs? Because if you're that uncomfortable about sex, I can't imagine that having the conversation about STDs and protection and prevention is an easy thing to do. It's hard enough for kinksters to have that conversation with their doctors. It must be terrifying for a vanilla. I think so. Back in uh, episode 201, we had BDSM nightmares, and it's uh, multiple stories of things that went horribly wrong in BDSM dating. And uh, it's always a, a good thing to uh, go back and listen to that one, because the last one did not end well. And um, when you put your life in the hands of a top, and that's what you're doing, because they have all kinds of implements. I, for one, love knives. And so just think how terrifying that could be to, you know, somebody that doesn't know what's going to happen. The people that were interviewed on that show all had some pretty bad things 
except for the last one. And I'll let, let the listeners listen to that show and find out what happened to the last one. When we're going out for some hard play, knowing the person that is going to be playing with you is so important and trusting and loving and caring because then they have your interest at the pinnacle as opposed to, I don't care what happens to you. Well, I think the other illusion we have where kinksters can be a little Pollyanna is when people first come out to the community, they're so excited there. I found all these kinky people and they understand me. And the illusion is, oh, wait, all of these people are great and good and we're a community. Well, no, they're bad people sitting in the local church. There are bad people at the bar and they're going to be bad people at your local munch. And that is so true. And as I say, check them out. Somebody wants to play with you. You better ask around the room if they know who this person is, if everything is okay with their past. And there's been sometimes they say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't go anywhere with that guy or that gal. There is also something that we call don't fuck crazy. And that, <laughs> that goes in all directions. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have a husband or a slave if they followed that rule. Well, we're all a little crazy, but I'm talking about the certifiable crowd. I can think of a couple of people that might fit that. Yeah, I could give you a list, but uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we can laugh about it and say, oh, my God. And, and the thing is, I've gotten into some real frenzied scenes where I was a little bit beyond what I wanted to do, but we were having a hell of a good time doing it. And, you know, scenes can get out of control and everybody has to throttle themselves at some point and call it. I think that was the scariest thing for me when I got a slave is I was new at everything and he was teaching me. And the first time we did sounding, he's just laying there and he's like, oh, it's fine. Just go ahead and drop it in. And I'm like, no, no, I actually got a girlfriend who would coach me. But that someone would trust me this much with their body mm -hmm. doing some pretty dangerous things. And a lot of them for the first time, it's to me, it, it shouldn't make you cocky. It's it's kind of humbling. It is. The amount of trust that they have in you and even willing to guide you and teach you how to do a process, you know, it's very giving of them and certainly humbling to the top. I took a class in sounding in Los Angeles, and uh, I was chose as the demonstrator, which is really terrifying since I had never done it. Uh, but the teacher of the class walked me through all the processes, and I did sounding on both a woman and a man. And I can now say that, uh, well, not that I'm an expert, but I have certainly been down the road. I was told all the precautions to take, uh, everything from cleanliness to what happens if you drop the sound and it disappears, things like that. And that's really valuable information when you're in the middle of a scene and something goes wrong. Then what? Because something will go wrong eventually. Well, in my 25 years, lots of things have gone wrong. <laughs> and and I haven't killed anybody yet, so we're all good. Am I allowed to ask you a question? You can do anything you want. Okay, what was the worst thing that's happened when something went wrong? 
Well, let's see. The worst thing I, God, I have to, uh, weigh the scale here. Um, I had a bleeder once. We were doing some knife play and got a little bit too close to, uh, an artery. And, um, we had to uh, put some pressure on that to get that to stop for a while. Uh, that, that was one time. That was exciting. And, uh, and now I have my medical kit nearby whenever I do that. I have developed a very nice medical kit that has all kinds of things in it. And, uh, and so I learned that from that situation. Uh, latex allergies. That was fun. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what the material was that I had. In this case, it was a vacuum bag. You know, you put the body in the bag and pump the air out of it. They were allergic to the bag. And when they got in there, you know, their nose was sticking out of the bag so you could see it. And their nose turned as red as a beet. And I'm going, oh, my God, they stopped breathing. And uh, they had a histamine reaction. And uh, so that was uh, exciting, too. And so... Uh, in my medical kit, I have a Benadryl and an EpiPen and uh, some things like that, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, just surprises. Things are going along. Hey, you want to do this? Sure. You know, I'm into this and it sounds like fun. I, I do a lot of electrical play. And I was uh, uh, had somebody all wired up and they were twitching and, you know, having a good time, and all of a sudden they went into what looked to me to be an epileptic fit. I had turned off the electricity, and they kept going, and I freaked out. And uh, I found out that they have had these seizures, and they're triggered by different things. In this case, the electricity basically caused a electrical storm in the brain. Oh no! Yeah, and. Uh, I, I was able to basically calm them down and get them to uh, come back, but they were shaking like a person with epilepsy. Th- those were three good ones. Yeah, those are pretty scary. Yeah. And, and so when you're in this lifestyle, anything goes. You know, you're dealing with people that have various medical conditions. You're dealing with people that uh, don't know some of the things that they will have reactions to. As much as I think a lot of us like the idea of breath play, you know, getting a hand around the neck sort of thing, when you actually push down hard and and collapse the windpipe or uh, on the arteries going up the neck, you are gambling with a heart attack. And I don't know a person's health record well enough to know if their heart can stand it. I'm not trying to be a buzzkill here because I love the idea of depriving somebody to the point where they will go through this incredible orgasm and stuff like that. But on the same token, I take a step back now and I say, I don't know if, if you're able to go this distance. And so I do not go as far as I would like to go. That makes sense. And the first time I play with somebody, it's light play at best because I have to get to know somebody's limits and how far they can go in order that I don't cause damage. You know, it's the little campfire rule, leave it in better condition than you found it sort of thing. Uh, I really don't want to send anybody to the hospital. And thank God in those ones that I have told you, we didn't have to go to the hospital in any of those three cases, but, um, Came pretty close. 
you know, if they didn't recover within short amounts of time after that, we would have been uh, either uh, 911 or in the car or whatever. And of course, that's always fun when they have rope marks on them and uh, bruises and things like that. And because then the nice police officer down at the hospital will tap you on the shoulder and say, let's talk. Uh, yeah. I, I work in a hospital, so we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. I was at a class where they were doing uh, a resistance play and takedown. And somebody missed a move and one person hit the floor with their chin and put the tooth through their lip. End up you know, pretty battered up. And they hauled her off to the hospital. And then the policeman tapped the man on the shoulder and said, let's talk. There's such a fine line, or it looks like there's a fine line to vanillas between abuse and domestic violence uh, and play. You know, even though she knows what she was into, she was good with it. She did an aw shit and then had to explain her way out of it. Back in the early days of your kinky explorations, uh, I understand you were a swinger for a while. I was uh, for a couple of years. And you found the swinger community to be very different from when you came out to the BDSM community. Very different. Uh, first of all, I had gotten bored with the swinger community. It wasn't fulfilling my need. And I couldn't have told you then that what I needed was kink. I just knew that whatever itch it was I had, swinging wasn't doing it for me. Probably the second thing I noticed, we actually tried to go to a swingers club again after we had come out in the kink world. And and this is no offense to swingers. But in a swingers club, there tends to be an assumption that you've already consented because you showed up. Yeah, it's more like vanilla rules. I spent a good half the night smacking hands mm. um, at turn around, there's a hand up my skirt. I turn around, someone's like grabbing my boob. Don't get me wrong. I like hands up my skirt and I like to have my boob grabbed. I just like you to ask first. So that was another big difference that's kept us from going back to that community. Some swinger clubs have put in uh, little micro dungeons. You know, there'll be a cross and maybe a spanking bench. And, you know, uh, a BDSMer will show up and go, oh, look, dungeon. And they'll go in and play, and then there'll be these people standing at the doorway lined up and go, oh, look at those people. He's beating the hell out of her. Well, um, wrong use of words. But uh, on the same token, they they have kind of a dividing line in between swinging and BDSM play. I have been judged for being in the little dungeonette at a swing club. And they go, well, you know, those people are are weird. And so you have to kind of say, well, you know, I have a lot of friends that are swingers. In fact, I had a dungeon party and I invited them over and I was just having a flogging scene on the cross and they couldn't watch. They said, oh, my God, we can't. We, you know, they had to leave. And I wasn't even going at it. You know, I was just having some fun swinging a flogger. The communities are definitely separated. The last time we went to the Swingers Club, we were actually, we went because they have a little dungeonette, and my husband had Kitten with him, and I had my slave, and the reactions were, on his side, where he was beating her, there were several men that were just absolutely enthralled, mostly because she's 23, hot, and naked, 
on my side, I was putting clothespins on Michael's testicles, and I think we had gotten up to at least 20, and probably closer to 30. I mean, we're just, he looked like a little hedgehog, but I had almost an invisible six-foot space around me, and the men wouldn't even look over, and you would have thought that I was killing him, and I'm like, this doesn't even hurt him. He's sickled to death. But to them, it's like, oh my God, you know, you, you you can't do that to me. She's got some weird thing going on. You know, the double standard's huge. It was interesting. I also had a couple of women uh, offer to hit him. They came up and they went, oh, well, if you'd like help, I, I'd hit him for you. And I'm like, no, no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, just the choice of words, hit him for you. What, punch him in the face, you know, you don't have any idea where they're coming from. No. Just trying to get some of their man issues out or something. I I didn't know if they were just, you know, maybe they saw Fifty Shades of Grey and it sounds like a great idea. But yeah, you really don't want to put a hand on my boy when he's with me because it's my job to protect him and I will. Because that's kind of my job. Yes, it is. The listeners that are swingers out there, we're not bashing swingers. This, these are observations that both Jen and I have had at swing clubs. And we're not generalizing either, but there is a, certainly a group of people that think that uh, BDSM play is really off the rails. And, you, you know, you may know people like this. So this is just a bit of a cautionary Advice: If you know you go down to your local swing club and you, you're going to start to uh, have a scene, be aware that there is going to be a group of judgmental people looking at you. I went to a play party in Amsterdam and I pulled out the flogger and was just going like crazy. And I had a bunch of people standing around just with kind of scowls on their face, and they're going, "You know," I turn around, and went, "What?" And I believe that S and M there stands for stand and model. They all looked really good in their dungeon wear, but I was there to play. (laughs) And I don't mean to slam anybody in Europe, but um, there is a real difference in what goes on in dungeons. Well, and I'll be honest, if you turn the clock back when I was in my mid-20s and swinging, if I had gone to a party and seen actual floggers... And clothespins on actual testicles, I probably would have run screaming. Well, and then something changed in you over time where it was okay. I think once you get okay with your own kink, then you can be okay with everyone else's too. But you have to get okay with yourself. I think when you're judging yourself and you've placed all of these weird values on sex, then you're going to spend your life going, well, yeah, I did this bad thing, but I'm not nearly as weird as that guy over there hitting that girl. But if you're comfortable with yourself, then it's pretty easy to look at someone else and go, well, it's not my king, but I hope you're happy. I use the term don't fuck crazy, and they thought we were crazy. Yeah. Everything is relative. And so the thing is, I don't want to fuck anybody that thinks I'm fucked up. You know, so... I guess don't fuck crazy applies here. You know, if they think I'm crazy, then stay away. (laughs) But there it is. 
Jen, we've uh, wandered down the, the road and you have certainly evolved the way you see yourself in the scene and you've taken on a poly family. And so what's next for Jen? What, what's the deep, dark fantasy you want to fulfill? Actually, it's not me that wants to fulfill it. My slave is into water sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something I've always said I wouldn't go there. Well, clearly I lied because that's kind of the next thing for me is making that fantasy reality for him. So we'll see. I had BDSM explained to me as friends and loving partners in fantasy fulfillment. Yes. And your partner wants fantasy fulfillment. And you are now wrapping your brain around something that you said was too taboo for you. (laughs) Yes, I did. And you're rationalizing it. And there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, You know, there are some people that have to go that distance on anal play. There are some people that go the distance on edge play. It is a normal part of BDSM adjusting your expectations to meet a partner's needs. When I first came out, I had someone who'd been in the scene for 10 years. I said, well, I would never do X. And they looked at me and they said, don't say that. How true. You are guaranteeing yourself a new kink every time you open your mouth and say that. Right. So I don't say never anymore. Mm -hmm. Because it's generally never, oh, until I get the opportunity and I haven't tried it yet. And that sounds pretty interesting. (laughs) But that's been a big lesson in the kink community is is don't ever say never. I have taken classes that I was persuaded to go. They said, hey, there's a class tonight. You want to come? I said, what's the subject? They said, I don't remember, but come on anyway. Okay. We get there and it's branding. And I'm going, I'm, I'm not going to do branding. But, you know, I'll sit and watch. Maybe I'll learn something. I did. I learned that when you're branding, you can't do a closed circle. If you do, it cuts off the blood supply to the skin in the middle. Hmm. And so I just tucked that in my brain and went away. A couple of weeks later at the club, here's a guy showing me his new brand, and he's got a full circle on his leg. And I looked at it, and I said, it's starting to gangrene. Get to the emergency right now. And, you know, it was just a casual learning event that I maybe saved part of his leg. And so you say never, and you go, well, okay, useful information. You know, I still don't have it written on my list for kinks that I want to try, but uh, (laughs) at least I know something about it, and I know some limits about it. And so I feel a little bit richer for that. I look forward to uh, hearing back from you on how the water uh, sports went. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, everybody wants something, and... I think I need an orgy in my life. I I haven't done an orgy yet. Ooh, those are fun. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's on my my bucket list. Anyway, Jen, it's been a lot of fun talking with you tonight and uh, exploring the deep, dark corners of both of our minds in this case. But uh, let's hear back from you on your new adventures. I'll let you know. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to episode... 246 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to 
KinkyCast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. Join us next week when we present Phoenix Ascending, author and personal improvement guru. Mm-hmm.